everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good, I got my new podcasting setup. I got my microphone on an arm, so I'm leaning back, I'm chilling out. So we're going to hear a real relaxed, like just vibing out Clayton this whole episode. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to not like sound like I'm screaming constantly either. <laughs> well, because you were very obsessed with you popping your peas, and you have completely changed it. Well, I got a pop guard. Oh, gotta get a pop guard. And yeah, so I got my pop guard in front. I'm leaning back. Watch this be the worst sounding episode we've ever released. Uh, we're gonna have to put up a like an Instagram thing. We'll be like, guys, sorry, no episode this week. Clayton felt sounded like he was falling out a window the whole time. It's fine. Yeah, he was way too laid back. It sounds like he's on narcotics. <laughs> but you know what I did? I uh, I I was having close anxiety, right? Because I can't really get to a laundromat, or I don't really want to, because that's not really safe. Uh-huh. And none of the places to drop off around me are open. So, you know, I've been washing my delicates, you know, at my apartment. But I was like, why am I changing my shirt? Why am I changing my pants? So I went on Amazon and I ordered a Dickies coverall. (laughs) And it's a short sleeve coverall. And I've been wearing it for a week. And it was the best investment I ever made. Are you going to wash the coverall? Yeah, I'm going to wash it once a week because it's not like I do any kind of like when I I wash my exercise clothes and when I go running, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll wash those and change those. But otherwise, I got, you know, skivvies on and I wash those. And then otherwise, I'm just putting this thing on and off and it's it's been going great. Just a onesie, just a dicky. That's what you sleep in, too. I sleep in it as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's it's and you know what I'm not going back. No, we're gonna see you in a dicky from now on. Yeah, this is this. Well, it's a coverall. I don't think it's called a dicky. A dicky is something you isn't a dicky a fake. Isn't a dicky something you put around your neck? Oh yeah, just like a collar. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Overalls. Yeah, yeah. So dick dicky is the company. Yeah. Or dickies. It's more. There's more than one dick. Involved. A few dicks got together. They said, "Let's make some uniforms for the yeah. working man." Let's make cl- clothing. Yeah, clothing for working men and very lazy people. <laughs> but see, now I know what Einstein was going on about about just wearing the same thing every day. Oh, that was Einstein's thing. Yeah, it's like I'm sure people have done it beforehand, but he was the guy that people looked to. You know, Bill Gates, probably, I think he did the same thing, right? And Steve Jobs, that's why he was always wearing the turtleneck and the jeans, because mm-hmm. he, he didn't want to use the brain power to choose an outfit. Yeah. Well, there that's you now. It's like you are like an astronaut or something, because you stay in your home, and now you're just wearing the same outfit every day. Pretty, pretty much. Uh, pretty much, like... It's either, I mean, astronaut is a nice way to, to say it. I think it's more akin to a, a prisoner because they also wear cov- coveralls. From now on, 
if you've ever imagined, because I don't, I don't like to take a lot of photographs. I don't like, I don't like getting my picture taken. I don't like how I look in pictures. If you want to imagine what I look like when I'm podcasting, I'm leaning back in a chair in a prison outfit and just loving life. Um, how are you doing, by the way? Are you doing okay? I'm fine. I think, you know, Pat and I are in a pretty good situation. Uh, what we've really done or here's what happens when you live with a producer. Everything ends up getting produced. And so we're kind of on a schedule now, which is nice uh, that our weekdays look different than our weekends, even though we never leave the house. So it's really helpful um, that things are planned out and then you sort of know what to expect or what we're going to be having for dinner on certain days or um, things like that. So, I mean, that's been really helpful. I've been reading a ton. You know what the thing is, though? I've been connecting more with friends through this than I have before it happened, where people that either like lived in other cities or we just both have really busy schedules, like we've been organizing like FaceTime calls or calling or, you know, taking the time to check in instead of just, you know, when you're normally living your life, you just can go two, three weeks and not speak to the people that you even uh, really care about or close friends with. So, I mean, that's been a silver lining for this. I feel like I do feel a stronger connection to a lot of my friends, which is nice. I have the exact opposite situation where I can't get away from people. Well, it's the same situation, but I'm enjoying it and you are yeah, not liking it. Because I socialize very infrequently, but everybody is so goddamn bored and they're such busybodies that they, you know, listen, I love it. They want to include me in stuff, but I only need to hang out once every two weeks. And if I'm not podcasting or doing something creative like that, I, I I can I just I just want to keep to my own devices. But now it's like, hey, you know all those people that you barely talk to when we all hang out. Do you want to do you want to talk to them every day for a month? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Which listen makes me sound like a horrible person, but it's just my truth. Yeah. And and now we just got to live our truths. That's all we have. Yeah, everyone's getting down to brass tacks for sure. So now, quickly, do you think you and Pat's relationship, if you want to get into this, because listen, I can cut all this out if you don't want to talk about it. Do you feel like you guys, this has strengthened your relationship in any way? Yeah, I think so. You can't escape emotions anymore. So if you're annoyed or something, you just kind of have to work through it where before you would just be like, "Mm, I'm annoyed. And then you just sort of like go out with your friends or go do this or just whatever. You just have to kind of work through it now and have more communication. But I also think for Pat and I, at least it's like, we've been together for a while and we definitely, it hasn't been smooth sailing the whole time. And I think we've really worked through a lot of issues. So now we can, you know, coexist for a month nonstop and only see each other and have it not be 
um, you know, we're, I think if this happened in other times in our relationship, it maybe it would have been much more difficult, but I think we've done a lot of work on our relationship to, um, you know, to, to, to be in a good place now, which we are very thankful for. I mean, we talked about that just today, like how hard it must be if you are a couple that's in a difficult spot and now you just are stuck together for whoever knows how long it must be very, uh, tough but also maybe you would work through it faster and maybe get to the other side of it faster who knows yeah it's like immersion therapy or whatever exactly yeah how are you okay being around nobody yeah you i wish mean, I, it was less people i I, ju- I just wish it was less people somehow i wish there'd be less people than just me <laughs> if that's possible well, I told you guys, I was talking to you guys last week and I was like, there is a point where I was, I have done stuff like get up to make rice and in my head be like, time to make Clayton rice. And then I realize I'm Clayton. <laughs> but for that, like half a second where I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to make somebody else food. This is service. This is me doing something for someone else. I'm so happy about it. And then my mind clicks back to, oh, wait, I am Clayton. And I'm just so (laughs) upset that I have to make myself fucking rice. Then maybe it's nice. Just disassociate for a little bit. Be your own best friend. All right. Well, let's talk about this book. All right. So this week we read The Ruin of a Rake, Turner Series number three. By Kat Sebastian. And this was voted on by the troopers mm-hmm. in the Learning the Tropes troop. And this book pretty much ran away with it. Which I'm surprised about because the other one was like Kidnapped by the Pirate by Kira Andrews. And that book seemed really interesting to me. And I would have guessed that that would have been the bigger choice at the offset. But they wanted us to read Runa Rake, and then we did. Well, I think also Kat Sebastian was a lot of the reason people wanted us to read it, because she seems to be a well-thought-of writer. And she's definitely, like, a very strong writer. This was the first book by her I've ever read, even though then I looked and I have downloaded other of her books when I go on, like, Frenzies, and I download a bunch of books and then forget that I have them. Um so she's this won't be the last of hers that I read, but yeah, she's definitely like a very talented writer. So I'm happy we were able to read her. All right, Clayton, what do you think of this cover? I like this cover fine. I did not get a lot of passion from it, though. No? They're like looking deep into each other's eyes. Yeah, but you know what it looks like? It looks like the... um. Now, I assume it's Julian standing over top of Lord Courtney, correct? Oh, I thought it was the other way because I always say that Lord Courtney has like such dark hair and that. But, but yeah. I didn't I didn't think that Julian had long hair. Oh, you're right. But I think the hair is just wrong. Well, anyway, what it looks like is it looks like the guy who's standing is about to hang a loogie over his face. Stop. That's disgusting. That's not true. Well, that's what it looks like. It looks like he, it's it's about to be like, uh, who's going to flinch? Oh, stop. Oh, I'm going to puke. This is so gross. No, they're he's holding his heart. He's holding his cravat. They're staring into each other's eyes. I mean, I like this cover. 
I mean, I like the color scheme. I like the green in the mm-hmm. back. That's that's a color that we don't get very often. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, it's listen, it's a historical cover. I Avon usually does a great job with their products. So I did like it, although I do think listen, I'm not going to repeat it cuz I don't want to make you sick. But when I look at that, there's a string of saliva coming from the guy's mouth. That's all I'm saying. Oh, stop. Okay, well, now I can't look at it. So let's that, move on. That would hmm? be the cartoon cover. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what was this uh, book about? So this book was about Julian and Lord Courtney. And so Julian is kind of a uptight type A guy and Lord Courtney is a fun rake who loves to fuck men and women, we find out, right? Mm-hmm. And so Lord Courtney is friends with Julian's sister. And at first he thinks that they're together, but it ends up that they're not. They're just friends. Lord Courtney has a very bad reputation due to a book that was written based on him. The basic plot is Julian has to help Lord Courtney look more like an upstanding citizen because they want they want to keep Courtney away from his nephew. And if he can't be with his nephew, who he loves, he doesn't he's like upset about it. So it's a way to get him back into the good graces of society. And it ends up that they have a very, very strong attraction to each other, and they end up hooking up and happily ever after. Yeah. But there, there is a twist in there. There is a twist in there, and we'll get to that twist. Yeah, this book was... I liked this book. I do think that Cat Sebastian is definitely a very strong writer, but... I do feel like I never had a strong grasp on why people were doing the things they were doing. Like, it seemed like there was always a bit of like a convoluted reason. Uh, and I, and I never, I, not that I never, but it, it always took me a while to understand like, okay. So mm-hmm. because Eleanor is friends with Lord Courtney. And that's Julian's sister. Yeah, Julian's sister, Eleanor, is friends with Lord Courtney. And so Lord Courtney is throwing orgies in Eleanor's house. But Eleanor is a scientist, and so she does not really pay attention to what's going on around her. She doesn't participate in the orgies. And Lord Courtney is just kind of taking advantage of her. and But they're close friends. Mm-hmm. And so then when Julian... Wait, 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 because I'm going to stop you there. You're telling me you've never thrown an orgy in one of your friend's houses. Yeah, my, my friends who are so scientific that they're just working. Yeah, no, I... Uh, not yet. I'm not going to pass any judgment, I guess, but... Okay. Yeah, and, and so then uh, Julian feels guilty because Julian and Eleanor grew up in India and Julian is has these bouts of sickness. And so Eleanor convinced Julian to move back to London because then 
they thought that the sickness wouldn't be as bad. Eleanor's husband has stayed in India. And so now Julian feels like he owes Eleanor something. And so then Eleanor calls in the favor by having Julian help Lord Courtney return to society so that Lord Courtney can see his nephew. Yes. There just was so much that it did take a while for me to be like, why why do we feel guilty about this? What I don't know. Not to say that the characters weren't draw like weren't drawn very strongly. I definitely think they did, and I did see have a good sense of sort of like who everyone was within themselves throughout mm-hmm. the whole book. That aspect was good. But I felt like the plot of this was just so wild for it to then basically be, you know, the last half of the book, just like a lot of sex scenes, which is fine. Like I'm reading romance. I have no problem with sex scenes, but it just seemed like so much set up for then like just a lot of confusion. (laughs) I don't know. Was that your experience as well or? Yeah, I had the same kind of experience. Like I think Eleanor's relationship with her husband was the thing that was the most confusing to me. Yeah. Right. And I I kept saying it seemed like there is another book that is Eleanor and Lord Standish's book because there seemed to be so much backstory going on that sometimes that's the feeling I get when there is a book about two characters. Mm -hmm. But as far as I can tell, there's not. Although I might be wrong. Yeah. And then so Julian had malaria. Yeah. And it can reoccur, which I did not know that that was something malaria could do. But I mean, obviously, I am not well versed in malaria. So I don't, but I think, did you read the end notes where she talks about how he moved to London because India, it kept reoccurring? But I think it was also just because he kept getting bit by mosquitoes that had malaria. Yeah. Because you can get malaria more than once. Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, that's what I'm assuming from this book. Yeah. Or, or it's the same malaria and it comes back. It seems like there's the same malaria that comes back. But then also, he was also getting bitten with new strands of malaria. So he it was just a mess. So, so what a nightmare. I know. So when he went to London, all he would have was like the rebouts of the original malaria. But he wouldn't get any new malaria. And he felt very... The way he felt about his malaria symptoms seemed a little strange to me because it's not, he was ashamed. He felt ashamed of himself. And I understand being ashamed of being sickly, especially back in the day being a man, but also, you know, nowadays being uh, anybody, there can be some shame that you feel personally about being perceived as weak or sickly, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But his feelings, even to the point where Courtney said how he was, uh, I can't remember exactly what Courtney said about him, but he was like dirty and something. And it triggered Julian to think about malaria and feel really bad about himself. And I was like, this guy really is hung up on his malaria. But I think also it's like if that was you know growing it sounded like he was sick from when he was pretty young um and they had a pretty bad dad who probably wasn't you know 
did it really coddle him with him being sick that you understand that you would think that that would be something that would be shameful about yourself well this book is thick with bad parents there's not a good parent to be seen yeah because courtney's mom who we find out he is supporting because one of the other things about courtney is that he's kind of broke he lives in an, in a place where he shouldn't live because he should have money because he's a lord but he's mm-hmm. supporting everybody in his life and he's supporting his mom who julian and courtney go to try to evict which i thought was some hardcore shit on julian's part Although when you meet the mom, you realize, okay, this is someone who needs to be evicted. But still, he didn't know that. Well, he was also evicting her to like another house in Bath. Like it wasn't like he was like, now you just live on the streets. I the I did love Julian because Julian loves numbers and loves like fixing things. He's like genius level numbers. And I love that part of the thing that gets him excited with Lord Courtney is that he's able to fix, that he's able to help, that he's able to give this to somebody else. Um, even in the beginning before he's like fallen in love with him, this is like a project that really gets him excited. Like he likes to always have his mind going. And I loved that aspect of it, that he was basically just given a trunk full of papers and he was like giddy when he opened it. He was like, this is going to be amazing. I get to unwind and I get to find out what's happening here. Well, Courtney got hard when Julian started going over the numbers, too. They both get hard over numbers, and that's something you can really base a relationship on. That is great. So I think the first thing Courtney says to Julian is something about a cock, right? Okay, so when Julian goes to his sister's place because he's been told that there's an orgy going on and he's pissed. So he goes and he goes into her study and she's working so hard. She's not paying attention to anything. And Julian looks over and sees Lord Courtney sitting there like, you know, cool. And then they start hearing like a thumping from upstairs. And Courtney says, you know, somebody knows how to start the day. And Julian's like, what are you talking about? Um, And then the passage is, uh, Courtney held his gaze for a moment, his green eyes heavy with boredom. My apologies, he drawled. I stand corrected. I ought to have said that somebody likes having his cock sucked. He paused and glanced upward as if meditating on the soft sounds coming from upstairs. At least it sounds like cock sucking. No sign of the pounding. Here he rhythmically slapped his hand against the arm of the chair. That you'd expect to hear if there was any actual fuck. And then Julian stops him. See, that's what I'm saying. This guy comes out of the gate he's like i know the subtle sounds of uh fellatio and fucking i know yeah, the difference he may he's a rake he knows he has the distinction he's got the <laughs> ear he's got the good ear but i thought that was interesting and you know they pretty much unabashedly go at it i mean julian's a little bit more reserved but then he ends up being not reserved yeah, well, sexually also they're very compatible because Courtney mentions liking to be manhandled when they're talking about this book that is basically like swept through the society that it turns out uh, uh, Julian had written. Which was a little crazy because I didn't know he was a writer. In that scene, though, Courtney is going through and saying, you know, have you seen this book? It's about this. It's about that. You know, this person's getting manhandled 
and Julian's like a little mad that he's paying so much attention to the book. And he's sort of like in another circumstance, I would be happy someone was paying this much attention, but he was mad that Courtney wasn't paying more attention to him in that moment. And I, my little spidey senses went off and I was like, this bitch wrote this book. Well, because Courtney plays like he loves when people read the book Mm -hmm. where he'll give it to people and recommend it to people and things like that. But then when he finds out that Julian was the person who wrote it, he feels exceptionally betrayed because they've become close. But also, Julian wrote this not really knowing Courtney. He wrote it having seen Courtney and being excited by what he saw. But he Mm -hmm. makes this character in the book very, very villainous. And that's not Courtney at all. Right, exactly. Well, what he talks about is how he basically hears about Lord Courtney and sees Lord Courtney and thinks he's like the most beautiful man he's ever seen. So he sort of changes the villain in his story to look like him and have some of his mannerisms. Because he's got Um, green eyes, mm -hmm. beautiful long hair, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I think what I liked was then when Lord Courtney is reading the book later in the book when he you know, has sort of found out that Julian wrote it and has felt betrayed. He reads it again and he realizes like, oh, actually, these are all Julian's traits. Like he wrote himself as the villain and just Mm -hmm. gave the villain some of my traits. But this is him. This is how he sees himself. And I thought that that was really interesting how much Courtney was able to know and see about the Julian that Julian kept hidden. So what did we think about the sex in this book? I thought the sex was really great in this book. Yeah. Super sexy, super steamy book, for sure. Yeah, and it, it like you said, there is a lot there's a lot of sex once they get going. Cuz I think they start having sex before f- halfway through the book. Mhm. I think it was like 40% maybe, right? Yeah, that they first Yeah, he blows Blow each other. Office. Yeah. You can say it. Blow each other. <laughs> we're we're all adults here. But what I liked about this book, too, as far as like why I also the sex scenes themselves were very hot, but it did always seem like they were practicing power dynamics through the sex that they would then sort of is what they were modeling for when they were in just the relationship. And they were sort of testing those boundaries within the sex acts. And so what I liked was the sex kept also moving the story forward where I think that's always the sign also of a good book with good sex scenes is like, if you take out the sex scenes, the book is a little bit less. Like I think if you took the sex scenes out of this book, it it wouldn't be as good of a book. So I thought, yeah, the sex scenes were amazing. Yeah. I mean, I thought the the sex was good. It's, it's funny because as much as there was crazy plot in this, there also didn't seem to be anything going on. Well, yeah, that's the th- the sin of this book, I think, if there is something that is a negative, is there's so much backstory that we need to find out about. And we're only ever just told about it. So we're told that Lord Courtney went with his sister and that's why his mother disowned him. And we're told about uh, Eleanor and her husband and all that confusion and stuff. But as far as it relates to what we're going through day to day in this book and how the story is unfolding, it doesn't matter that much. 
or it's not ever really seen on the page as like this is sort of affecting right now or, or this is information I need right now. I think that's the hardest thing about a book is when to tell information to your characters and when to tell information to your um, reader. And I think that is a bit where, you know, it doesn't measure up to a book that I'm like, love, love, but I do still think this is a very good book. Well, there was the fake duel, right? Mm -hmm. There was the duel that ended up not being a duel. And then there was the fake out of Julian pretending to shoot at court. Well, shooting at Courtney, but not really shooting at Courtney, right? So we had those things happening. But I never felt any real urgency or fear for the characters. I I always felt like they were just going to pull off whatever scheme they were going to do. Right. And then they just go back to fucking, which is great. But, I mean, there wasn't a big action set piece at the end of this. No, they. it's just kind of a garden party, which I liked. So at the end, basically, like, Lord Courtney has restored his seat. So he has this house back. They have a plan for how they're going to be together. Um, so, you know, it's two men back in the 1800s. So, I, you know, it wasn't going to be necessarily going to end in a wedding. But they've sort of figured out how to... Um, be able to stay in each other's lives and in a way that they're both happy with. And then basically they invite all the other couples from the other books and everybody sort of is able to hang out and relax and be with the people that they love and not necessarily have to hide it quite as much, which was very sweet and a very nice ending. Well, here's the big question then. Would you fuck them? Yeah, both. Why not? Both of them. What about you? Is there one that you would, if you could only fuck one of them, who would it be? I think Julian. Really? Julian seemed like he was better in bed. Julian was a very attentive lover. And Julian was able to figure out what was missing in other encounters. I mean, something else that I loved about this book was like Julian figured out that Courtney was just sort of uh, like like saying yes to everything and not really ever advocating for himself and sort of hiding behind this like rakish quality. But even within like sex, he was sort of whenever someone offered sex, he was like, "Yeah, let's have sex." And then would kind of go along with whatever they wanted without really exploring what he wanted himself. And Julian made him really articulate what it was that he wanted and wouldn't settle for less. And I thought that was like a very good sex scene and very sexy. Julian is not conventionally handsome. He is portrayed as somebody who is fine looking, not Lord Courtney by any stretch because Lord Courtney's gorgeous. But Lord Courtney was talking about how Julian carries himself in a way that makes him attractive. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times... Listen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just say this in broad strokes. The more attractive you are, the less you need to know how to be good at sex. <laughs> at least you all listen, you should always need to be good at sex in the sense of being attentive, understanding what your other your what your partner wants. Uh those kind of things, right? When I say good at sex, I'm not like jackhammer that shit well that would obviously be bad at sex if you're just jackhammering no one's getting off absolutely 
but well one person is getting off but uh but yeah that's what i mean it's like being good at sex i'm not saying like you have to be an acrobat and good at sex in the porno sense of being quote-unquote good at sex it's not like a performance it's it's a connection right so i do think that someone like julian is is able to probably be more well-versed in something than courtney who everybody wants to sleep with them so just the act of sleeping with courtney is enough for some people Mm -hmm. but if i had to just fuck one i'd fuck julian ah see yeah he's the better one for all the reasons that you have said yeah and most of the reasons i have said (laughs) because i'm not completely sold on my own opinions (laughs) I don't think Courtney was a slouch, but yeah. I mean, Julian was really into taking charge and I was into it. All right. Should we do some Goodreads lists? Let's do it. So a lot of these were just like male male. This is a book about two men. So I didn't put many of those on. That was sort of the bulk of the list. Okay. But uh, best gay historical romance. Yeah. Uh, Male male Regency romance. Is this is is this because I know Regency is a certain time period? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the time period is. Because Regency this book. is is sometimes used as that kind of catch-all, right? And I know that mm-hmm. some people have an issue with that because Regency is a certain period of time. So I'm gonna say, I don't know. Yeah, I'm hoping the list maker did their research. Yeah, if this is if this did take place during the Regency, then this is a male male Regency romance. Yes, <laughs> uh, books with bisexual main characters. They were both bisexual, right? Yeah, I believe so. I I I think they both have had romances and intercourse with both sexes. Yeah. Uh, clever affections, romances with hero or heroine known for their intellect or creative thinking. Yeah, Julian was very intellectual. Yeah. He was super smart. I mean, and he also, he like tossed off a best-selling book. While he was convalescing, he's like, I was bored and so I wrote an amazing book. Uh, Diverse romance with famous leads. Courtney is famous because he is the, he's the topic of that book, or he's at least the inspiration for that book, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's famous within his world, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to them because I'm feeling nice. Best male-male books featuring size differences? I didn't get that there was like a big size difference between them. Like he talks about, Julian talks about Lord Courtney being a little bit taller than him, but it did not seem significant in any way. Are they talking dick size? Oh, I don't know. But then they didn't really talk about dick size as in a comparative way. I'm assuming they were both hung. Yeah, I mean, come on. So, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Show me the proof. Mm-hmm. Send me the passage. Page <laughs> numbers, please. Favorite male-male romances with an age difference between partners. That is true. Yeah. Julian was a young buck. Yes. What he was... 24 25 yeah and courtney was past 30 uh male male romance with grit and heart 
I guess grit. Where's the grit coming from? I don't know. He worked hard to fix his finances, I guess. Yeah, all right. Well, I don't know about grit, but yeah. Hard, getting your yeah. hands dirty with ink is a lot different than putting your, you know, building a railroad. Yeah, there's no. he's not building a railroad. This isn't a railroad romance. No, which we need. And listen, I'm sure that we're going to get a trooper or somebody else who listens who's going to give us a lot of railroad romances to choose from, which I'm mm-hmm. excited about. Uh, the queers don't die, so they don't. Everyone survives. I'm, I'm sorry, what is that list? The list is the queers don't die. Okay, I thought that's what you said. Um, yeah, they don't. Yeah, everyone's everyone lives at the end of their at a lovely garden party. Um, best male-male romances with memorable secondary characters. Well, memorable for wondering why <laughs> I should care. Yeah, wondering why they're there. Yeah, I so I would say I could we could keep it on the list. Yeah, I mean. All this talking shit about Ellen, like I do want an Eleanor Lord Standish book. Like if there is one, I want to read it. Well, that's the Just issue it out there. That's the issue. Put it in their book, right? Like, like uh, t- too much of it in this book. Too much and not enough. Somehow at the same time. All right, uh, jazzy creature feature challenge: nerds, geeks, geniuses, hackers, klutzes. Oh my god. <laughs> go over this again let's do them one at a time well jazzy did you say jazzy yes i feel like i'm going deaf jazzy. i you're hearing everything exactly as i'm saying it okay so jazzy creature feature is that no. what you said yes no what's the next one <laughs> genius lgbtq plus romance leads Okay, so he's a genius and he's LB. He's just the G or the he's B. G- whatever he wants to be. But that is true. That is true. Beauty burden male. Beauty burden. Does that mean that, I mean, I'm assuming that means your beauty is a burden. Yes. Did Courtney ever feel like beauty was a burden? I think so. Okay. So there's two out of those. And then what was the last thing there? No, these are two different ones. Wait, what? So the Jazzy Creature feature, that was one list. That's, We've moved on. That's one list? Ja- so the list is called Jazzy Creature Feature Challenge. Nerds, geeks, geniuses, hackers, and klutzes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so nerds, gen- no. What was What was the part before that that we were talking about? That's it. And then the next list is genius LGBTQ plus romance leads. Oh, wait. Okay. So you did two lists put together? No, I just read one after the other. Oh, okay. Because, okay. So the one was hackers and nerds. Yeah. And the other one was creature features. That's one list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going nuts here. Jazzy creature feature challenge dash. So these are the different things that go into the challenge. So you have What's, to find... What is this fucking challenge? I don't know. It was just a list. Why am I being challenged on Goodreads? 
that's <laughs> that, that that just seems so intense you've never seen like book challenges yeah it's but the- creature feature challenges what is okay okay so it's a challenge so i'm being challenged right now so i'm already good thing i'm leaning back you're definitely being challenged right now absolutely i think my hearing's being challenged my intelligence is being challenged and my patience is most definitely being challenged <laughs> okay so hackers and if if you're reading this book because you think there's going to be a fucking hacker in it i don't think it's that you need all of those in there i think he just won see this is my problem with some of these list makers too broad yeah the lists are too goddamn broad you might as well just be you might as well just say romance potpourri or anything that I kind of like. <laughs> anything that that I have a passing interest in. Right? So, okay, then. So, hackers, slashers, whatever. What is it? Hackers, nerds, geeks. All right. And then the next list is smart LGBTQ plus leads. So then, my question for you. Uh-huh. Why did you do two lists in a row like that? Because I thought you said no, meaning you that book was not on that jazzy creature feature list. Oh, no. I was just saying no to the existence of that list. Yes. I, that was an incredulous, no, this cannot be happening. <laughs> like if the earth were to open up underneath me right now and there was a demon and lava and a hell pit i would i would probably not say no like i said to that list (laughs) i'd say you know what that tracks (laughs) that would have surprised me in 2020 for sure i would say i knew it i knew it uh okay so yes to both those lists because if they if they think they should be on the list then why who am i to tell them no and then the beauty burden male list is just men who are too pretty and it becomes a burden. I think so. Okay. Best of closeted guys in male male books. Sure. And then romance with illness slash health condition. Yes. Yep. So that's it. Um, so Clayton, what are your tropes? Hacker, geek, creature feature, <laughs> freak show, uh, slice of life, cyborg, uh, where man. It it could it, any of these. It could be any of these. These are just things that I like. <laughs> uh, no. So male male romance, LGBTQ romance. A lot of the, the Goodreads lists were like my my things. There was the age difference. Um. reoccurring malaria which again i know we talked about earlier i did i did not know was a thing uh cock outlines they talked a lot about cocks being outlined in pants Mm -hmm. which is i like aesthetically it's a good look and that's why you always stuff right you gotta stuff i mean that's why i'm always (laughs) buying the tube socks from amazon (laughs) <laughs> Although I have to wait longer because I guess they're not essential. But for me, listen, this coverall, I- I'm going to need to fill this thing out. So I'm going to need some tube socks. You. Yeah. Yeah, just for myself, for Clayton. Clayton likes to see it. 
and bad parents. This book yeah. was, like we said, rife with bad parents. Aaron, what were your tropes? So I had uh, gay romance, fix you. So uh, that Julian comes in and wants to fix everything in Courtney's life and make his life better. I liked that's a trope. Reformed rake, bisexual hero, author hero, sick bed. I feel like I've read a few books lately that have had, you know, they have the big fight and then one of the characters gets very sick and that's sort of what brings everybody back together. So sick bed, yes. uh, change a heart when someone gets sick. Too many cats. They talked about having 12 cats and that's an upsetting number of cats. It's an illness. Um, I think it is classified under like uh, as an illness. Right. I don't know if you could spay and neuter back then. Probably not. But anyway, 12 is too many. They get stressed out if the, there's too many of them. Yes. Uh, hero hot as fuck because uh, Laura Courtney was seems like he was really, really hot. Genius hero. And then I've loved you so long because it seems like Julian has been carrying a flame for Laura Courtney for a, quite a bit. Oh, yeah. He wrote a whole friggin' book about him. I know. That is no chill on Julian's side. Yes. Like, play it cool, man. Try a little harder. Yeah, chill um, out, bro. <laughs> all right, Clayton. What is you swooning this week? Wow, geez. So I, again, like I was talking about, I've been watching a lot of movies. And I, and I posted this movie in the troop, another reason to join the Facebook troop. Because we have a, uh, right now we have a going thread of, and I think you coined this, not good but great romance movies, like rom-coms. And the one that I just saw and I, I had not seen before was one called Maid of Honor with M-A-D-E, spells maid, still do not know why, Okay other than it's a male maid of honor, but it's Patrick Dempsey and Michelle Moynihan and they're best friends. And he, they've been best friends for 10 years. And then she realizes, well, he realizes he loves her, but she goes off to Scotland and falls in love with a Scotsman. You've seen this movie, correct? Yeah. I saw this in theaters. Are you kidding? And it, I think is the epitome of not good, but great. And also, we were rec- I was recommended a movie. We were all recommended a movie on that thread called Wimbledon. Have you seen Wimbledon? I saw that in theaters too. It was great. Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany, who I'm usually not a fan of. I watched this movie last night. I was up till four in the morning watching this movie because that's my life now. And if you're <laughs> wondering, Clayton, what, what was Clayton wearing? I was wearing what I'm always wearing. My, my coverall. So I, I, I recommend Wimbledon and I and I, I, I wish I remembered who, who exactly was was on the thread that recommended this, but great job because Wimbledon is a very good example of the kind of movie that we're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, that's my swoon. I mean, again, keep them coming. Uh, there's a few on that list that I still need to watch. So there's the Bradley Cooper one that's on Amazon Prime that I need to watch and I'll probably watch tonight. So Aaron... What has you swooning? So I have two shows that I'm swooning about. So the first is a Netflix show called Self Made. um, And it's the story of Madam C.J. Walker. So as you know, Clayton, but I'll tell our listeners, 
Madam C.J. Walker, Sarah Breedlove was um, the first self-made female millionaire in the United States selling hair care products for black women. Octavia Spencer plays Madam C.J. Walker. Um, it, it, they All of the writers for this show were black as well. There's It's really fun. There's dream sequences. Um, Tiffany Haddish plays her daughter. It's a limited series, like four episodes. I think it's great. It's fun to check out. So check out that one, Self Made. Um, and then the other thing I want to recommend is that Insecure is back. Um, Insecure is a show that I've always loved, but this season um, is going to be about Issa, the main character, breaking up with her best friend. It's sort of a, a best friend breakup, which I just find really interesting. And I've never really seen it explored before in um, culture and media other than Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne, of course. Um, and so I, you know, this is a great show. It's so well written and so thoughtful that I'm really excited for this season. So if you haven't watched it before, now's a great time to start. Um, and I think the season is going to be probably pretty special. So check that out as well. All right. So, um, everyone don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. It's how people find us. Uh, if you want to email us, um, what you're watching, what you're reading, recommendations, just say hi, anything. You can always email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at learning tropes on Instagram at learning the tropes. Um, and then finally we have our Facebook group, which is the learning the tropes troop. Um, something fun we've been doing this month is every week we have a matchup of two books and you guys vote and then we read whatever it is you vote the voting closes every wednesday night at 11 59 eastern time so if you're listening to this on the day that this episode comes out go join the troop vote for what you want us to read for next week uh, the choices are either the hating game by sally thorne or the bromance book club by lisa k adams so if there's one of those you really want to hear us discuss join the troop um, we also like clayton was saying we have movie recommendations and book recommendations and it's a really fun spot to be uh, and then finally learning the tropes is part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media backslash podcasts all right everybody bye see you next week i don't know why he's annoying me okay because you guys have been in the fucking house together for a month <laughs> I love you, It's, it's insane. <laughs>